Hi guys, it's me, Susie. Welcome to the Pause and Ponder podcast. I have really been enjoying doing this podcast. It's given me even more reasons to slow down and ponder, and I love that. One of the results of doing this for me is it makes me think about balance. You know, not emphasizing one thing, like one biblical principle or one person in the Bible or one verse for too long. It keeps me thinking about balancing things out making sure I'm truly reflecting as much as I can on the whole counsel of God. And I like that. That's been helpful to me. I also just want to appreciate everyone who tells me they listen or gives me feedback. You know, encouragement is a spiritual gift, and I am really thankful for how God has used you to encourage me. So thanks. And just a reminder, I have an Instagram account, Pause and Ponder Podcast, and I'm also on Facebook, just Susie Weber. If you ever want to comment or chat with me, I would love it. Enough of that. Let's get started with some pondering on the greatness of God. So the last few weeks, I've been talking about reading the Bible. And back to that balance idea, today, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to do it. I know I said this podcast was going to be just one thought, keeping it simple. So today, let's keep it simple and look at one psalm. Let's linger together in Psalm 16. Psalm 16. This is a great psalm. Well, I guess they're all great. But this one, it's just 11 verses, and wow, there is a lot to ponder here. In fact, I remember being on a road trip many years ago, and I had read Psalm 16 some at some point on that vacation, and I thought, this is great. I've never been able to pick a life verse. I can't just settle on one, but this, this could be a life psalm. Because it just covers sort of everything. I'll admit, it isn't what I call my favorite psalm. That would be Psalm 62. But I might just call it my life psalm. Let's read through it. And I'm just going to pause and ponder each verse as we go. I'm reading from the ESV version. Before we get into this psalm, let's just cover some of the background. So scholars and the Bible itself actually tell us that this psalm is describing Jesus and expresses the feelings of his human nature. So as we go through it, I'm going to refer to David because he's clearly the author, um, even though it's describing Jesus. But the fact that this psalm describes Jesus is just more reason to consider it a life psalm. We often hear that it's our goal to be more like Jesus. That's an expression we use all the time, right? What would Jesus do? Be more like Jesus. And I think we can look at this psalm as a more in-depth in-depth explanation of what being more like Jesus should look like. I'm trying to keep it short, so I'm not going to talk about how Jesus is each of these things, but I don't know. I find so often we hear, oh, this describes Jesus, and then we kind of write it off as just, okay, so this is Jesus. But what if we look at this psalm as, this describes Jesus, so this describes how I should be more like Jesus. All right, so let's get into it. Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. You are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Right here in this first verse, the first thing I notice is choosing to have dependence on God. In you I take refuge. David is the author of this psalm. 
he could have taken refuge in his army. He had a whole army. He had all kinds of resources. And yet here, he takes refuge in God. So he has dependence on God. And then the next statement, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I hear commitment and contentment. Commitment to the Lord and contentment in all that God has given him, in his circumstances, in his resources, and in all that God has given him. All the circumstances, all the blessings, all the trials. I have no good apart from you. Everything good in his life he attributes to the fact that God is in his life. So there's a humility there too. He's not taking the credit for anything. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Today I want to say that. I want to say, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. And I want to have the commitment that David has in this psalm. And I want to experience the contentment that David has in this psalm. That was actually verse 1 and 2. Now, moving on to verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So we know saints doesn't mean anyone special. It just means all followers of God, those set apart to God, the family of God. This verse challenges me. We went from commitment, dependence, contentment in God to relationship with others. It sounds to me like David doesn't have any unforgiveness. He doesn't have any bitterness. He's calling the saints in the land excellent, and he delights in them. That can be challenging. That makes me examine my relationships as I think about that verse. I remember when I was trying to memorize this psalm in the car, and when I was saying this verse over and over, it brought to mind relationships that I was struggling with ones that I had some sort of conflict or unresolved issue with. And I felt like I had to just stop right there, not stop driving, but stop in my memorizing scripture and just ask God to forgive me for my critical spirit, for my unforgiveness, and just wash that slate clean. Do you ever find yourself in that place? I even ask God to fill me with his love for the difficult people in my life, because if I was honest, I felt like I didn't have any love for them myself. So when I say this verse, when I pray it to God, it holds all of that meaning in it, all of that backstory of doing business with God. And it also is like I'm proclaiming, now I'm going to go out and embrace others without holding back. That's what this verse means to me. I mean, I think you can stay, sit there and ponder that for a long time. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. If we're honest, I think there are times when this is a difficult verse to say. And if that's you today, I encourage you to pause and just take it to the Lord. Take all of the hurt, all of the conflict to God, and seek his wisdom. I can't give you one pat answer of what to do with it. You have to seek wisdom from God. But I do believe God wants us to be able to say this verse with David. He wants these kind of relationships for us. And he wants our hearts pure in relationship with others. And then verse 4. The sorrows 
of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out, or take their names on my lips. This verse might sound a little like, well, we'll just skip it. We can't relate to it. But if you think about it for a second, if we ponder it for a second, I think we can relate to it. I think David is recognizing the reality of the ways of the world in this verse. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Or those who don't follow God, who don't obey God, their sorrows are going to multiply. So I see just he's recognizing the difficulty of living a life apart from God in rebellion to God. And then the second part about the drink offerings of blood, well, he says he's not going to have any part in what in their worship of other gods. So he's resisting it. David is making a statement here, a life statement of, I am making a choice that I'm not going to take any part in worshiping other gods. In his day, that looked like not taking drink offerings of blood or taking the name of idols on his lips. That makes me think, what does that look like today? What do I need to resist and choose to not have any part of today? Because choosing God means choosing to resist the ways of the world, the ways of those who are worshiping something besides God. And we all worship something. So if we don't consciously worship God, we're worshiping something else. And I think I'll just leave it at this. How would you rewrite this verse today? How would you rewrite this verse in your life? That you recognize the realities of the world, that it just leads to sorrow, and you're going to resist fill in the blank. What are the ways of the world that you're tempted to follow that you need to consciously resist? Okay, moving on to verses five and six. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So here we have two verses affirming that commitment and contentment in God that we already saw. Verse 4 was about resisting the ways of the world, and verse 5 and 6 go back to choosing the way of God, choosing acceptance of where God has us, choosing acceptance of what God has given us in this life, and not just acceptance, but thankfulness, thankfulness and contentment for where God has me. That's a life choice. I probably don't say this every day. I'm so happy for exactly where God has me. And yet, this is a life psalm because this is where I want my heart to be every day. I want my heart to be in the place of I accept and I'm thankful for where you have me, for what you've given me in my life today. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. The boundaries God has put in my life are are a blessing. Even when they seem like closed doors, they're a blessing. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. There's an acceptance of what God has given, a contentment in what God has given, and also a recognition of God's sovereignty. All these things are from God, and they're completely in his control. This isn't always easy to say either. It isn't always easy to say this verse and mean it. 
Were we all saying, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places through the pandemic? Probably not every day. And even without a pandemic, it doesn't mean we like everything that happens in our lives. But it means we choose to accept that God is in control, that God's design for my life, even through the hard things, is the best design and the only portion I want. My feelings might make it hard to say this verse and mean it, but I can speak it because it isn't a statement of how I feel. It's a proclamation of my trust. Sometimes we say this verse in faith, not feeling. And sometimes to say this verse, we say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, because I'm not seeing the good in your plan right now, but I'm trusting you that this is still true, even when I can't see it. And so in the first six verses, we have a lot of choices being made. I guess that's why I see this as a life psalm, because he is stating the life choices that he has made. First, he chooses dependence on God. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Then, in what God has given him, he makes the choice of commitment to God. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Then the choice of contentment and the choice to give glory to God. I have no good apart from you. Then in verse 3, the choice to love others as God wants us to love. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Then in verse 4, the choice to resist what is ungodly. The sorrows of those who run after another god shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their name on my lips. And then in verse 5 and 6, again, the choice to be content in all that God has given, the choice also to recognize God's sovereignty and in what God has given, contentment. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And then the last um, one, two, three, four, five, the last five verses, I would call a testimony of walking with God. After making all these choices that I just said, David continues with just declaring a testimony of what it is like to walk with God. And he includes five things. I'll tell them to you first and then see if you hear them in the psalm. First, praise. Walking with God is a life of praise. A life of peace is number two. Three, joy. Four, assurance of salvation. And five, it's a life of blessing. This is what happens when we make the choices in the first six verses. We live a life of the last five verses. I'll say them again. Praise, peace, joy, assurance of salvation, and blessing. Oh wait, I have to add a few more. There's also guidance and relationship. Here we go. Verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. 
In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you hear it? Did you hear his praise? Did you hear how he trusts in God's guidance? That he will not be shaken, he has peace because of the choices he's made to live his life for God. He said his heart is glad and he rejoices the joy that he has because he has God's peace and he has a relationship with God and God is guiding him. And then you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. That's a declaration. It's not a wishful. It's not, please don't abandon my, my soul to Sheol. Please, please be there for me. No, it's a, you will not. I know, I trust that I have salvation in Jesus. Well, he doesn't say in Jesus. I'm saying that. He says, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. And then finally, blessing. You make known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So many things in this testimony of what it is to walk with God. I love it. The choices and then the testimony. It's a life psalm. As always, thanks for listening as we lingered in Psalm 16 and took just a short ponder of each verse. I hope it will cause each of us to ponder for a moment the life choices that we are making and pause to consider what our testimony of walking with God sounds like in the words we use. I know I want mine to be more and more like David's in Psalm 16. Till next time.